0: If you dare.
1: This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers.
2: Hey, it's Holden with Veasan. It is the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Big show today. Recap CSU game last night. Big win over Wyoming. Wes Reynolds from Veasan joins me. We've got the front range four, including. The Altitude Comcast dispute. Can we ever get the Nuggets and the Avs and more homes? Talk about the Nuggets game tonight, plus a bet on a futures there. Aaron Rodgers will be a topic of conversation. Also get to the Avs and the Red Wings. Colorado is back in action tonight on the hardwood. Hank the Bear and Troy Aikman. We got so much on this show today. Let's just start with the Front Range Four. So there's a settlement conference between altitude and comcast and for those of you here in denver you know that i mean the the 70 percent of people that live in denver have no access to the nuggets and the Avs, the best team in the nhl and one of the most exciting teams in the nba plus the reigning mvp and the guy that should be the mvp again but altitude and comcast met nothing came out of it i mean maybe some building blocks but nothing really came out of it Uh, The two sides, the good news is they're supposed to meet again. The Denver Post reporting that it's unknown if Altitude and Comcast are actually going to agree on new terms before the playoffs in the NBA and the NHL. The good news is, you know, the NBA games, in all likelihood, you'll see them on, on cable on TNT. The NHL playoffs a little bit different. Hopefully we get the abs there. But, you know, Altitude hasn't been on Comcast since September of 2019. I mean, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Imagine 70% of your city not having access to these favorites. The <laughs> Stanley Cup favorites and the NBA MVP. Absolutely ridiculous. Number two in the front range four has to do with a team that is affected by Comcast and altitude battling. The Nuggets, they won five of six, three in a row, headed into the All-Star break. A home-and-home with the Kings starting tonight, and then Denver on Saturday, and Denver on Saturday. So, you got one meeting between the two teams this year. Denver won that 121-111 here at home. They covered the eight-point spread. The Kings are the second-worst defensive team in the National Basketball Association. And I'm looking at Jokic back in the first game. He had 35 points, 17 rebounds, 8 assists. And I did the math there. That's 60, 60 points, assists, and rebounds. I mean, there was a time that we were getting Jokic in the low 40s for PRA, points, rebounds, and assists. And tonight, his PRA is at 50 and a half. Now, the Kings will be a little bit different from that meeting a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Damata Sabonis is there. He's not physical enough to slow Jokic down. It's just not going to happen. So the first bet here, Jokic over 50 points, rebounds, and assists. I can't believe I'm saying that because, again, I get uncomfortable when it's that high. But he should own the Kings. They are just miserable defensively. They have no answer for him. The other bet that I made, it's a futures bet on the Nuggets. Here's what it is. The, The Nuggets have the eighth easiest strength of schedule here to go. They've got 10 top eight seeds and 14 seeds ninth or lower. So here we go. They got 10 teams against playoff, 10 games against playoff teams, 10 games against playoff teams, and then 14 against the seeds that are ninth or lower. So really bad teams. And they only play nine road games from here on out. This is amazing. First six games out of the break against teams seated ninth or lower. Clean up here, boys, I think the number of the Nuggets wins is going to end up right around 49 and a half before it's all said and done. And right now you can get in at 47 and a half wins. I did read 538. They've got the Nuggets for 49 wins. Uh, This is at 47 and a half. I'm going to bet it, or I did bet it already, at minus 110. Nuggets over 47 and a half wins this season. That's two bets from the Nuggets. Okay, and you'll notice I'm not betting sides or totals pregame in the NBA. It's just too volatile, and we can always, just about always, get a better number in-game. Okay, let's move on to number three, the game of the week. I think it happened yesterday with CSU taking on Wyoming on the hard court. Now, uh, Providence and Xavier played a triple overtime game and people said why don't they just flip over to the colorado state game because that game was on cbs sports network and cbs sports network they're not capable of flipping games in different markets they're they're going to a game they don't care that this is a local market for colorado state they don't care up in wyoming it's a local that's a local um uh market for the pokes so most of us did not get a chance to see the first 32 minutes of that game. You could have gone to the internets, the World Wide Webs, and watched a little bit on CBSSports.com. I didn't, um, but it was a joke. What an absolute joke to not get to see what might have been the matchup in the Mountain West Conference to this point. And I hope CBS Sports Network got a whole bunch of hate mail for that, but it's really not going to matter when it comes down to it. But David Roddy was spectacular. Again, 26 points, 11 rebounds, had that big runner with 244 left in the game. 61-55, that was the win over Wyoming. So I'll tell you why that was good for for David Roddy. He was at the free throw line, just a couple seconds left in the game. And it's a six-point lead for... The Rams. And if you listen to the show, we were backing Wyoming plus six. Said CSU was going to win this game. It was going to be a tight game, though it came down to the final seconds. Roddy has a chance to make it a seven-point game. Front end of a one and one In and out. He's had some issues with (laughs) late free throws against Wyoming. In and out. Wyoming gets the board. Nothing happens. Game over so not only do we cover that but csu gets a huge win in the mountain west so overtime game against wyoming it's just it's just such fun basketball in the conference i hope csu and wyoming play again in the conference tournament because it has those two games were just so much fun or at least the eight minutes i watched in this one and the 45 that we watched in the first game, okay? Emotional victory. Rams now 22 and 4, 12 and 4 in the conference. Uh, Wyoming 22 and 5, 11 and 3 in the conference. So let me update what is going on here. Oh, I want to add two more things and I will uh, I will at the end of this, okay? So let's talk about CSU and their chances to win the Mount West Conference because I'm in on a 8 plus 800 bet, 8 to 1. The first loss, that loss to Wyoming is going to come back and hurt him. And if Roddy hits the field goal at the end of regulation, they win that game, and they've got the inside track to winning the conference. But you know what? This guy has been so great. It's tough to criticize David Roddy for missing a field goal, given what he does for this team, because they're not in any position to even be in that game, if not for David Roddy, right? Here's the Mountain West Conference standings. Boise's 13 and 2. Wyoming's 11 and 3. CSU 12 and 4. Somehow, I got a better number at plus 800 than where CSU's sitting today at plus 700. So, two games back for CSU in the lost column behind Boise. And then Wyoming has played two less games. So, CSU is one game in the lost column behind Wyoming. Here's the here's the schedules Boise three games left at UNLV who's been playing great at home against Nevada and at CSU. So Boise's going to have to drop one of the two games whether it be UNLV and Nevada. I think UNLV has a chance to upset them and then the head-to-head at Fort Collins against the Rams. Next one Wyoming now they've got four games left. This could be very interesting. Um They are plus 275 to win the Mountain West. By the way, Boise is minus 275 to win the Mountain West. No reason to bet that. Wyoming plus 270. That might not be the worst bet. Mm, I got to think about that. Plus 270 because, again, you know, Boise loses one of those three games and Wyoming can sweep these four They'd be in there. It's tough, though, for Wyoming to win four, the final four games. It's going to be rough for them. Maybe stay off of that bet. They've got Nevada, San Diego State at UNLV and versus Fresno State. So three home games. Uh, San Diego State, always tough. UNLV playing well. And then CSU at 12-4 and 4 at Utah State and against Boise. A couple other things I want to throw out here. Uh, Chandler Jacobs. Kevin Lytle, who covers the Rams for uh, the Coloradoan, he said during practice during the week that they were going to Chandler Jacobs a lot and they kind of felt like he had an advantage. He goes out, he drains three three three-pointers, actually four three-pointers, 18 points off the bench, a huge reason why CSU won that game. A huge reason why CSU won that game. Uh, The other one is, Tons of NBA scouts. Kevin was telling me tons of NBA scouts there. The Nuggets front office was there. Not only to see David Roddy, I'm sure. You know, E.K., Maldonado. There was a lot. of there, there was probably three three players with NBA talent in that game last night, to be perfectly honest with you. So that was awesome. CSU with a win. Congrats, guys. We've got the game coming up against Utah State. That was number three in the front range four. So let's move on to number four. Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be informing the Packers of his decision soon, according to Diana Rossini of ESPN, a lady I got to know pretty well in Washington, D.C., a really good reporter. She says that she was told there's multiple teams with offers on the table. Nothing can happen until the Packers allow a trade, and the QB indicated he'd share his 2022 plans by March 8th. He basically has to because that's the franchise tag day. So it's coming up soon. We're going to know this in the next couple of weeks, what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. The Broncos are not going to be the only team in there. And it just seems as though the ta- his time in Green Bay is just a sense. It's over. He's going to demand the trade. I feel that way. Now, this is, this is a gut feel. Um, is it possible he goes back to Green Bay and says, hey, let's stay here. Let's see if we can get... Uh, Devontae Adams back. I think that's going to be tough, though. You could franchise Devontae Adams, but Devontae Adams is going to be pissed off. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to be happy with that either. I think he's gone. Uh, Now, it is no fait accompli that the Broncos are the team that's going to get him. But, boy, do they have the capital, the draft capital, some young players that they could trade to get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Again, I, I think there's as good a shot of Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback here as just about anybody else that would be available and i set the lines the other day i think it might have even been yesterday you know drew Locke, aaron Rodgers, rookie quarterback teddy bridgewater basically all at the same odds to be the starting quarterback of the group of the uh denver broncos in 2022. okay let's take a quick break wes reynolds from Vison is going to join me in just a little bit i do want to talk about the abs and their win over the red wings And I do want to talk about the Colorado game coming up tonight. So CU has been playing some good basketball lately. They got a good young team. I discussed that with my man, Nate Kreckman, yesterday. And we kind of went down a rabbit hole there too, didn't we? Because he said, you know, maybe it's time to look up there in Wyoming, make a coaching change with Tad Boyle uh, coming out. I'm not there. I'm not there. I think Tad Boyle's... Got a really good team going forward. And maybe if they can get to the finals of the Pac-12 tournament, then all of a sudden uh, they are a tournament team. They're 18-9. They host Arizona State tonight. Recap the Avs win. Preview the Arizona State game for the Buffs next on the Denver CityCast presented by Bett Rivers. Being a homer has its perks
1: at BetRivers Sportsbook. Every day, BetRivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the River Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the River Sportsbook app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: For more real-time, relevant sports betting news and information, listen to VEASAN in Denver on Altitude Sports 950. VEASAN, THE sports betting network, is on the air in Denver. Listen to relevant, real-time sports betting news and information on Denver's Altitude Sports 950. Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, Lombardi Line, My Guys in the Desert, The Nightcap, and much, much more from VEASAN. The Sports Betting Network, on the air in Denver, on Altitude Sports 950. Welcome back to the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Wes Reynolds joins me at the next segment. If you want to fast forward to that, that's fine, but you're going to miss the Colorado-Arizona preview and a little Avs recap from last night. Let's start with that. Because, boy, did the Avalanche bounce back big time after getting blown out in Boston. They routed the Red Wings 5-2 without Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon has that lower body injury. Now, the Avs, they went up quick. 2-0 after the first period. 3-1 into the third. Landeskog with a couple of goals. Kadri added another. Pavel Francouz with 32 saves. And the Avs are now 12-2-1 in. And the 15 games McKinnon's missed this season. What does that mean? Well, I mean, just shows their depth. That's how great they are. And the Avs are going to host the Jets tomorrow night. They're obviously so much better with McKinnon. It was interesting, though. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine who's a big hockey fan. He's a uh, Minnesota fan. He's like, I saw Francois for so long. The goaltending shit, I've I've seen Kemper, I've seen François, neither one of these guys. I can't stand Darcy Kemper. And I got to tell you, man, I think he's missing out here. These two guys have been absolutely spectacular. And by the way, if François stays healthy, I still think he's the better option. He is the better option than Darcy Kemper. I, I really believe that. And François just looked terrific once again last night. Okay, let's move on to Colorado hosting Arizona State. Arizona State's not a good basketball team. Colorado's been sitting around 90 in Ken Palm. Uh, They are sitting at 86 right now. They're on the outside looking in in the NCAA tournament. This is a team that I could see getting in, but they probably have to win the Pac-12 tournament at this point, possibly making a run to the finals, and that would knock Oregon out because Oregon's firmly on the bubble. They have not played well lately. Uh, adjusted defensively, Colorado's a really good team. They're 50th in the nation. Uh, their strength, their schedule has been, eh, I mean, it's, eh, that's all I can say is, eh, that, that's my, that's my breakdown of the Colorado strength of schedule. Offensively, you know, top third in the nation, 124th via ken palm and they just need better wins it's as simple as that you're looking for wins from colorado and what's really the signature win at this point um they've been beating up on the dregs of the league which is great i mean we want to see them beat up on the dregs of the league but they haven't had um, much of an opportunity recently to beat good teams. I think that close loss at home back in January to USC really hurt him. Close loss at home against UCLA really hurt him. Two ranked teams there. Um, and then getting blown out by Arizona didn't help either. In the first meeting, Colorado just spanked Arizona State. 75-57, Jabari Walker. What else does he do? Double-double. 18-13. Double. and 13 for walker so let's look a little bit more into this the buffs 18 and 9 10 and 7 and the pac 12 a down year for the pac 12 they won five straight games this game up here in boulder 10 and 16 6 and 10 in the conference for arizona state they have been playing a little bit improved as of late but eh, not a good team buffs get to the free throw line more than any other team in the pac 12 this is going to be the advantage tonight for the Colorado Buffaloes. They get to the free throw line more than any other team in a Pac-12. And the Sun Devils have sent opposing teams to the line at the highest rate in the conference. I really, 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 really wish that we could bet on free throw attempts and free throws made. I mean, I guess we could find somewhere that could do that. I can't find it because I would bet the over on Colorado. I, I, I don't know what the number is. I'd have to handicap it. But... Um, Boy, I, I also look at Colorado having an advantage here on the glass. I'm not gonna bet a side. I see it at six points. If Colorado gets off to a hot start, you're not gonna see it lower than six. Um, if, if you can get it down though, you know, three, four, five, they fall down early, get a better number. Don't sit there at six. And as far as the total goes, uh, again, it's not standing out to me at 133 and a half. So I'm going to stay away from this game, but if you want to bet it live, I recommend you do it. You know, see see how far you can get with it. Can you get a 3? What are, how much are they going to be down if you get Colorado Money's 3? They're going to be down double digits at that point early on. I just think Colorado state's a better team. The Sun Devils are a bad team, and that to me matches things up as uh, Colorado getting a win tonight should be 19 and 9. And after that, just hope that they get some wins in the conference tournament because it's a good young team, good young talent, and they're going to have a shot to take down a, a really good Arizona team on Saturday as well. So if you can beat Arizona State, take out Arizona, all of a sudden you're not on the bubble, or you're not off the bubble, you're on the bubble. It's okay to be on the bubble Bubble for the Buffs. And then uh, Utah as well. So basically they got to win – Their last three here. It's going to be a tough game at home against Arizona. And they're probably, if they beat Arizona, all they would have to do is make a run to the conference finals. And I think we would see them in the NCAA tournament. Okay, next, Wes Reynolds, one of my favorite personalities on VEASAN. We're going to talk about betting golf. A lot of you don't bet golf. A lot of you do bet golf. I picked it up last year. I absolutely love it. Talk about two college basketball games, one in the Pac-12 not this Colorado Arizona State game, and uh, also, what are we doing here on TV in the NFL with Troy Aikman moving? And then before the end of the show, I got my thoughts on Troy Aikman uh, moving to ESPN in all likelihood. Plus, Hank the Bear, poor Hank the Bear. If you haven't heard of Hank the Bear, I will um, let you know all about it. Next on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers.
1: Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call
2: 1-800-522-4700. Wes Reynolds from Veasan coming back on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Wes, first of all, thank you very much for the time. Second of all, congrats on the golf, man. Picking, I mean, picking winners three straight weeks out of the gate—very impressive, my friend.
3: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. But those that regularly bet golf, of course, know that runs don't always last like this. I mean, sometimes you're going to get on one of these and then sometimes it's going to go a month or month and a half and you don't have anybody close, so... You know, that's kind of like with the outright market. That's why I always urge people to, you know, put a little bit on the outright, maybe put a little bit on a top five or a top 10, depending on what your book of choice is for betting golf. That's usually the best way to at least ensure that you make some money as long as you get guys in the mix, because that's what I tell people what the goal is that have been talking to me about this run is that. You just want to get guys in the mix, you know, on the weekend. You just want to have guys with a chance, at least on Sunday. That way, if you don't get the outright win, at least if you got some top fives or top tens or top 20s, you can at least grind out some profit.
2: Yes, I'm, I'm with you on that. Now, I hope the run doesn't end this week because I said, oh, screw it, we got to tail Wes on this. So <laughs> let's, let's talk about your process uh, in picking winners here in golf. Because last year was the first year I ever started betting golf, and I love it. It's a four-day sweat when you're picking the winners beforehand. So, talk to me about some things you look for when you're trying to pick a a pre-tournament winner.
3: Yeah, Holden. Uh, usually, what I do in terms of a tournament on week to week, more often than not, in terms of like an outright win market, and including you know the props, the top fives, and the top tens, and such. Usually what I do is I'm, I'm more often than not on a full field event. A full field event is about 150 or so players, give or take a couple. And usually what I do is I usually have maybe six to seven guys that I play every week, maybe one or two more if I've got a bunch of long shots. If i got some like 200 to one guy or something like that, then I can maybe play a little bit more bulk in terms of players. But the way that I break this down more often than not, there's going to be one or two players that are going to be like recent form guys. You know, guys that have had a bunch of top tens or a bunch of top 20s or they've kind of been knocking on the door at least for a win and they've showed some consistency for like six to eight weeks. So usually I end up on one or two of them. And then there's usually one or two that might be your quote-unquote horses for courses. Guys that always seem to play well at a certain course and guys that just have good form maybe they haven't won there before but they've made the cut you know eight straight times there or they've got a few top tens couple top fives so you could gotta tell okay they at least always play well on this course so you want to go with those guys and then there's maybe one or two that i have that's kind of like a pure market play because what happens is the first people to market usually on these golf prices more often than not are like the uk or the european exchanges so then i kind of monitor those and i see okay you know who's getting bet. you could check various sites like odds checker has a lot of like the uk books on there and if you see that blue that means the price is kind of shortening a little bit. And if you see red, that means it's drifting upwards. So I look at that kind of for like a market play. And then I look at my stats. I go to different stat models. And there's different categories in terms of stats that you can model every single week. More often than not, you're going to have strokes gained approach. And that basically monitors your iron play. How much are you gaining on your shots from the fairway, or maybe even the rough, as it were, to the green? So you're looking at strokes gained approach a lot. Some weeks, you know, you got to be a little bit of a bomber. So you got to incorporate distance or you got to incorporate strokes gained off the tee. Or you can go like strokes gained ball striking, which combine off the tee and approach. And then some weeks you're on like a unique uh, putting surface, maybe. Like so I'll go strokes gained putting Bermuda grass or like last week in L.A. at Riviera, it was POA. So they play POA greens pretty much on the West Coast. So you can kind of commingle those factors. Now, keep in mind, if you're doing this modeling and you're looking at these stats kind of coming in, putting has the most variance. It's the toughest, really, to quantify. More often than not, your iron play, if you're a good iron player, you're going to be a good iron player every single week. Or you're going to be good, not only long, but accurate off the tee every single week. There's not as much variance with those as there is with like putting. So, putting is always the thing that's kind of unpredictable going forward. Like you look earlier this year, Hideki Matsuyama historically is not a great putter, but he putted great that week at the Sony Open in Hawaii. So, you know, that's why you kind of got to take the putting stats at least a little bit with a grain of salt. So, that's how I kind of at least. Put together a card of like six to eight guys it's usually like a little bit of everything kind of like a smorgasbord of how you do it where you know you don't necessarily line up with like all stat model guys or all horses for courses just a little bit of everything
2: so for me the biggest challenge last year was hedging because if you got two guys that are up atop the leaderboard but there's two other guys that are sitting in between you got to I mean you really want to win the money maybe it's easier to say there's there, there's two guys at the top of the leaderboard they're coming down to the final nine holes they're both at 12 under par mm-hmm. do you ever hedge on that i mean to me it's almost like i have to hedge just so i come out on top with something is that something that you're into, hedging, or do you just let it ride? Yeah,
3: sometimes I'll hedge. I think it varies from tournament to tournament and situation to situation. But, like, like for instance, if you have, like, one guy in the mix, but you've got, like, 15 guys within two shots of the lead, it is very difficult to hedge. And that's why I recommend, you know, splitting it up a little bit, maybe a, a certain portion on the win, the outright win, and then a certain portion on, like, a top five or a top ten where it's like, you know— it's a little bit of a needle in a haystack right now. If I got 15 guys within two shots of the lead, you know, so, and I've only got one guy here, then I just got to hope for the best. And at least I know I have that safety. If I've done a top five or a top 10, along with the outright win, where I don't get the outright win, at least I get some money out of the deal. But to your point for hedging, it really depends. Like, if you look last week, I had the opportunity actually to hedge, and I did strongly consider it. I had Joaquin Neiman, and Joaquin Neiman had a three-shot lead going into the final round. Well, what does he do on the the par-five first hole on Sunday? He makes a par, and it's two playing partners in that final pairing, that being Cameron Young and Victor Hovland, both birdie. I elected to let it ride on Neiman simply because Cameron Young, who's a 24-year-old, very talented player, won twice last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, I elected to let it go because I was like, okay, this is some tall cotton for this guy. Yep. This guy's never been in this situation at this level, so I'm going to have to dodge that bullet. And then Victor Hoblin started like six shots back while I'm like— well, let's say Neiman shoots even par, which he did. That means to win, Victor Hoblins going to shoot have to shoot a 64 on Sunday. That was the one I debated and went back and forth where it's like, do I want to play this guy? I did also have Justin Thomas in the mix, but the only way he was going to catch Neiman is if Neiman really gave shots back to the field. So I elected to kind of let it go there because I knew even if Neiman blows this, he's not gonna to totally collapse and I'm still gonna get my top five on him. So I'm still gonna at least make some money on the deal, albeit not as much.
2: Okay, Wes Reynolds, Vison joining us here. Let's talk some college hoops. And by the way, thank you very much for that because that's gonna help me with my process. I'm not even kidding. Like um, I've been betting, you know, basketball, both sides of basketball for a long time. NFL, college football, golf, like I said, something newer than I'm into, and I'm absolutely hooked on it. It's so much fun. Uh, college basketball, though. Let's do this. couple of West Coast games you like tonight, Wes. Um, UCLA, I know, is act- in action. It's always fun when the zags are in action as well. What are you looking at on the board tonight?
3: Yeah, I am looking, and UCLA is going to Oregon tonight. And Oregon kind of finds themselves a little bit on the bubble. It seemed like about a month ago that Oregon was really going to get right. It's like Dana Altman, who's a very good coach, is going to figure it out because they got off to a slow start. And then they kind of hit the skids a little bit this month. But just looking looking at this team, uh, UCLA, by the way, on a three-game winning streak right now. And I felt in the first meeting where Oregon did win in overtime at Pauley Pavilion, you look and Oregon, I think you know, kind of exposed UCLA is a little bit lacking in lateral quickness. Their wings, I think, have a real difficulty guarding. So that's why UCLA and Mick Cronin they've kind of gone back to that like pack line defense. It's it's a copycat sport. It's like a, everybody you know, Virginia succeeds in the back line, so everybody wants to run that. So. That's what you're doing. You pack it in, hope the other team shoots bad. And look, the opponents have shot bad against UCLA in the last three games. I think they're 15 of 56, I believe, from three-point range. So you've got a rested Oregon team. UCLA going on the road doesn't look like Tiger Campbell, at least at this moment as we record this, isn't going to play the UCLA point guard. So, you know, he really helps control the flow of the game. And we know Dana Altman likes to throw a lot of pressure. He likes to throw some zone trapping, really mixes it up on defense. So I think this is kind of an Oregon back against the wall type of spot. So I like them as a home dog. I'm seeing some threes out there. I think there's still some three and a half. Obviously take the three and a half if you can.
2: Three and a half if you can. Okay. we got the Zags at San Francisco. Um, that will not be a three and a half point spread. <laughs> right? probably see this thing around 10, 156 and a half is the, uh, is the total in this game. I mean, Gonzaga is just so damn good. And then they get to play these cupcakes, but we know that they're great anyways, because their early season schedule and just the talent that they have. Here's my question for you though. Can you ever sack it up and bet an under in a Gonzaga game? <laughs>
3: Because I can't. It It's hard, and you say sack it up. This is laying the huevos on the table if you're going to bet <laughs> the Gonzaga game. And to and go against Gonzaga, quite frankly, in conference game, because I had a random bet that I covered by a half a point. I think it was Portland taking 30-something against Gonzaga, and they ended up covering by a half a point. And I just made kind of a, a random tweet out there. I was like, if you cover a conference game against Gonzaga, it should count for double. Like, you should Mm -hmm. get double pay on your game because it is so rare. So you talk about the cupcakes. Gonzaga's not getting a cupcake, though, tonight because San Francisco probably at least has a good shot. They're they're in that mix in the bracketology right now where they're, like, last four in, first four out, depending on whose bracketology you subscribe to. They're very close to potentially getting an at-large bid. And the West Coast Conference, despite the fact that Gonzaga dominates it, they are going to get multiple teams you would think in the NCAA tournament. San Francisco actually gave them their closest game in league play to date, but it tells you how good Gonzaga is to what you mentioned at the top. Gonzaga still won by 16 against San Francisco Mm -hmm. up in Spokane. So they're laying like 10 and a half, 11 tonight. Uh, This is the lowest spread Gonzaga has been favored by in West Coast Conference play all season. But I think San Francisco can compete here. And I'm going to, you know, have to sack up and and show some guts here. And I'm going to take 11 in San Francisco tonight.
2: So this thing moved a point and a half already. Wow. So that, well, why not? You know, so a lot of money's coming in on the other side. So real quick on Gonzaga. They blew out Texas, who was fifth at the time. They blew out UCLA, who was second at the time, lost to fifth ranked Duke, and then 16th ranked Alabama. What did you take out of their first, their, their non conference schedule, if anything? Because to tell you the truth, the fact that they played those teams, I just, they might be the most talented team in the nation. They're definitely the best offensive team in the nation. How do you look at Gonzaga going forward?
3: Yeah, I think clearly, Holden, that they're a Final Four contender. I mean, they made the national championship game last year. I think we're kind of done with, okay, they're kind of the plucky little mid-major. They're here to stay. And they've been here to stay for a long time. And the only thing that they haven't done is hang a banner that says national champions up in the kennel there in Spokane. But you look number two in the Ken Palm in terms of offensive efficiency, number six in defensive efficiency. They're so fast when you watch them too. They just get up and down the floor. I went and seen these guys actually in person and their win over UCLA at the T-Mobile Arena. That was back like a couple nights before Thanksgiving. And I was amazed at just – how quick they were up and down the floor. It's like they get a rebound and they go. They don't wait, you know, kind of reset the offense and work the clock and, you know, do a Gene Hackman and Hoosiers four passes. No, they get it and go and try to get to the cup or get a wide open three. So, yeah, this is a team that's going to be right there, you would think. Now, the NCAA tournament, the beauty and the brutality of it is it just takes one bad game and you're out the door and your season is done. So maybe they can get got, and you mentioned Alabama. Alabama really got them one of the most erratic teams in the country who can go beat Gonzaga in basically what was a home game for the Zags and then lose at Georgia who had not won an SEC game all year. So, you know, kind of a random result there, but – Gonzaga can beat anybody in the country. I would expect that they're going to make a deep run for the final four. I'm not going to bet them to win it all because, obviously, you're not getting a very good price at this standpoint. You really weren't to start the season anyway. But the only team that has a better offense from the numbers than they do is Purdue. But the problem with Purdue is they're really struggling to guard. So I don't know how good my 25-1 to on Purdue is going to be that I bet after last year's Final.
2: That's all right. I had a nice price on, CS, on Colorado State to win the Mountain West. They just they can't beat UNLV. It's absolutely fascinating. Just out of curiosity, how much Mountain West basketball have you gotten a, a chance to watch? I know Vegas with UNLV, but I hope it's a four-bid league, man. It has been so yeah. much fun this year between Wyoming, CSU, Boise, San Diego State. People sleeping on the Mountain West. I think they got a chance to make some – some noise in the tournament.
3: Yeah, I do too, and I'm excited. I'm going to be going, I think, at least for a day session over to the Thomas and Mack Center to watch that Mountain West tournament. And it's going to be a pretty hot ticket because, look, I think you very easily could get four bids. I think you're at least going to get three in the Mountain West. Mm -hmm. Of course, Boise State's at the top, Wyoming, Colorado State, San Diego State. UNLV, I don't think that they're quite up there in that class even though they did sweep the Rams here, but... UNLV showed a little life, and even a couple other middle teams. Fresno State has not been bad. Very good defensively, a little bit skittish offensively. But when I look at this, I agree with you on Colorado State. I think maybe at their peak they might be the best team in the conference. I think certainly they have the best offense in the conference, Boise State and San Diego State, two elite defenses nationally. But, yeah, I've watched a lot of it this year, and I'm very impressed with the kid Roddy at Colorado State. He's one of my favorite players because – He doesn't look like, you know, like looks can be deceiving and you don't want to judge a book by its cover, but, man, he can score, and he can score inside and outside. He doesn't look like he's the greatest athlete in the world, but he's right up there to win player of the year, perhaps, in the conference. I think him, Bradley from San Diego State, Graham E. K. from Wyoming, that was a very good game last night, more of a defensive game than the first meeting, but Colorado State got a much-needed win over Wyoming.
2: Yeah, I look at him, and I look at Charles Barkley. Very like Charles Barkley light though. Physical, beats the hell out of you, scores, rebounds, just does everything well. He's a stud. David Roddy's a stud. And they had so many members of the media last night, but scouts from the NBA checking that game out. And it's not just Roddy. It was probably on the other side, too, with Wyoming. Real quick, though, um, the NFL. Everybody loves watching the NFL. When you have that many people watching something, like the broadcasters actually matter. Looks like Troy Aikman's going to ESPN. So ESPN's going to need a new play-by-play man to go with Aikman. Um, you're going to need a new lead al- analyst at Fox to pair with Joe Buck. I wonder what your thoughts are on that, that analyst going with Joe Buck. I'll throw some names out at you. Sean Payton, Greg Olson, Emmanuel Acho, uh, John Lynch. What do you think happens over there at Fox? And by the way, I love the move of Troy Aikman. I hope they get Al Michaels for the first time since, I don't know, Howard Cosell. That broadcast is watchable.
3: Right. And and look, uh, there were still some rumors that maybe Troy was perhaps going to bring Joe Buck with him to ESPN. I don't know the inner workings of that contract if that is possible, because when I first heard this, I thought, okay, Aikman's going to go to Amazon for Thursday night football with Al Michaels. So now that has an opening. I got to think that Sean Payton is going to end up in one of these musical chairs here. NBC looks like it's going to be Mike Tirico taking the reins with Chris Collinsworth, Catherine Dappen on the sidelines. So you think that organization pretty much going to stay together, but yeah, it's going to. That's why I think a lot of the reports about Sean McVay is if he was going to retire. But I was like, Sean McVay is so young. I think mm-hmm. he wants to go through this grind a few more years and see how many more he can win before he decides to take away. So, you know, assuming that it's going to stay there with Aikman, obviously, on Monday Night Football, they want to put, I think, you know, a star play by play guy with all due respect to Steve Levy and those guys who I think has done a good job with Brian Greasy and Lou Riddick. The Manning cast kind of took a little bit away, I think, from the normal booth there in Monday Night Football, even though the ratings were just kind of like, okay, they were what they were. But the Manning cast seemed to get more buzz than like the regular crew calling Monday Night Football. So I think Monday Night Football is such a brand and was for ABC for so many years. They want big names up in that booth, and clearly Troy Aikman helps them do that
2: telling you right now no way in hell Joe Buck leaves Fox because he gets to call the Super Bowl every what three three years and he calls the World Series you're not gonna be able to do that at ESPN so I don't see it happening right there but I think it's a fascinating thing that's going on Wes first of all thank you so much for hopping on you're a great guest you're terrific on the air why don't you plug how people can watch you or when they can watch you on VEASAN
3: yeah I'm kind of all up and down the lineup holding and thank you for having me appreciate the Uh time uh yeah, vcin.com. You can get all of our schedule. You know, we're kind of in and out because obviously we're flipping seasons uh, with football being over, getting ready for March Madness. So weekdays, weekends, and all our, our digital content, all our publications are available at vsin.com Hit us on the tweets at live.
2: All right, Wes, I'm going to tease my last segment. You might find it interesting. You might not. Next on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk more about Troy Aikman at ESPN and Joe Buck, too, but also discuss Hank the Bear. Don't kill the 500-pound bear. Please don't do it. For Wes Reynolds, I'm Olden Kush. We'll be back in a moment on the Denver City Cast. Being a homer has its perks at BetRivers Sportsbook.
1: Every day, BetRivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the BetRivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the BetRivers Sportsbook app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: Let's wrap up the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers with a little bit of levity. And thank you very much to Wes Reynolds for hopping on. We'll get to Hank the Tank the Bear in just a minute, but I do want to talk about what's going on in the NFL now as Troy Aikman is reportedly being targeted by Amazon for their Thursday Night Football broadcast. Okay, that is interesting. So what is that going to do? That's going to open up a spot as the number one analyst at Fox. All right, so that'll be interesting. Um, and then there's TV networks that are really coming on. They they want Sean Payton uh, as one guy that they would like to stick in there as far as the replacement for Troy Aikman. But Amazon's gonna be interesting. It'll just be Thursday night football game broadcast, right? Al Michaels could be the play-by-play man. Think about that. Um, So there's a lot going on. You got Aikman Amazon, you got Aikman to ESPN. Okay, so there's a lot of movement happening right now. So depending on where Aikman goes, let's say he leaves Fox, right? Now the rumor is that Joe Buck is gonna leave, Joe Buck's not going anywhere. All right, Joe Buck is not going to ESPN to do Monday Night Football. Um, So I think Aikman is going to ESPN, not Amazon, but, ESPN needs a new play-by-play man. So what do they say? Joe Buck. Joe Buck's not going there. He calls the World Series every year, and he gets a shot to call the Super Bowl every year. Do you think Joe Buck's going to give that up? I don't. They would have to throw so much money at the man. And even then, I mean, that that's something that he loves to do. He loves calling the baseball playoffs. He loves calling the World Series. I know he's, he's taken some shots at baseball in the past for it being boring. And, I mean, he's absolutely right. But then on top of that, He gets to call the Super Bowl every three years. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. So ESPN definitely needs a new play-by-play man to go with Aikman if Aikman ends up going there. Because Steve Levy just doesn't do it for him. If you're going to go with Aikman, go get yourself a big-time broadcaster. Now, over at Amazon, it does look like it's going to be Al Michaels. And Al Michaels probably isn't going to be thrilled if Aikman ends up leaving uh, and going to ESPN as opposed to Amazon but things will happen so who's going to be the new lead analyst to pair with Joe Buck is it Sean Payton do you take Sean Payton there Sean Payton is a guy that has had no experience broadcasting these games there's, there's none that I'm aware of but they could throw him in there the question is how long is he going to do that for because he's probably going to recharge and I would think he goes back to the NFL um, John Lynch, does he leave his post in the front office with the Niners? I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Greg Olson, you know, he he he's working his way up. Emmanuel Acho has been another name that has been thrown out there. The bottom line is this: you're going to see some new teams, and I think the team, the number one team that needs to improve, is over at ESPN. Troy Aikman would do that. You can rip Troy Aikman as much as you want. He's a master on the air. He's absolutely sensational at what he does. I don't think he'd be the best that he could be with Steve Levy. So a lot of movement going on right now in the NFL broadcasting scene. Last but not least, we got to talk about Hank the Tank the Bear. Hank the Tank the Bear, the 500-pound black bear in the Tahoe area in California. Now, let me just preface this by saying uh, I had a house where a bear frequented us. With her two little babies, you could see that on. You got that recording device at night. It's kind of cool seeing a bear come by with its two little babies. Uh, the problem is a poop in your yard, and then you got to clean all this stuff up. Bears are kind of messy. You can't put your you can't put your garbage out the night before. You got to do it in the morning. There's so many things. If you're watching this and you've been around or you're in a neighborhood where you got a bear, you know what the issues are and you know the things that you got to clean up. But Hank the Tank has apparently broken into 28 homes, and he's pissing people off there in the Tahoe area, to which I say, you're living in their land, so you better learn to deal with it. Uh, There was a black bear that kind of mauled somebody uh, in the same area, but this poor 500 pound black bear, Hank the Tank, he doesn't even know his name is Hank the Tank, poor guy, you know, he's breaking into properties, extensive damage at 33 properties, breaking in at 28, and here's the options that they said for Hank the Tank. It's sad. They either relocate him, euthanize him, or leave him where he is. They're not going to leave him where he is. They euthanize him. Uh, come on. that's a, this is That would be very, very sad. Killing Hank the Tank, the 500-pound bear, just because he's breaking into homes? Come on, man. Again, it's their territory, too. Now, he is being kind of a criminal breaking into homes, but he doesn't understand... What's going on with human law? Come on, what do we expect out of Hank the tank? They could relocate him. Problem is they said if they relocate him, that he might get attacked by other bears. Hank the tank is five hundred pounds. What other black bear is messing with Hank the tank? You tell me. Poor Hank the tank. just let him let him stay there. I would say this to people that are living in the area. Do a better job of keeping bears out of your house, you know, put some bars up. I don't care. Hank the Tank, to me, I'm on his side. Screw the homeowners in the Tahoe area. Let Hank the Tank be. If he breaks into your house, run. Put padlocks on your doors. God, 500 pound bear though, that's so much fun. I wanna meet Hank the Tank. I do, not not up close. I'd like to see him through like a a bulletproof window, but it'd be cool to see Hank the Tank. All right, that was my spiel on him. Uh, Leave him alone. Let, let them break into homes, deal with the people. Thank you very much to Wes Reynolds from VEASAN for hopping on. I appreciate that. Uh, Kevin Lytle for giving me some inside information on CSU. Tomorrow's show is a fun one. we are gonna talk some Avs with my boy, Mark Springer, Altitude 92.5. He does the post game between the pipes for the Avalanche. And we're going to talk some nuggets with Adam Morris. So looking forward to catching up with Mares too from the DNVR. Thank you to our producer, Steven, in the background. And again, I'm Holden with VEASAN. Check me out on Twitter at Holden Radio. And thanks for listening to the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers.